Welcome to the For the Gospel podcast, where we provide sound doctrine for everyday people. I'm your host, Kosti Hinn, and I want to welcome our listeners on Apple and Spotify and those enjoying this on our YouTube video podcast format. If you're new to our ministry, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you're one of our regular supporters, thank you for being so faithful. By God's grace, we've been reaching over a million people monthly now on a consistent basis and seeing around 100,000 downloads per month through the podcast, along with videos and articles and teaching resources, Date Night with the Woods, which is our, our marriage and family podcast at For the Gospel by Tony and Bree Wood continues to thrive. And we're seeing so many testimonies pour in from folks that are being blessed by the content, all of that is possible because of your support and we've got some big plans in store for 2024 that include some in-person workshops and so be on the lookout for that we're looking forward to seeing you at one of those so to start off it is book launch week tuesday september 12th knowing the spirit which is this book right here if you're watching this on uh, our youtube video version it releases and you can get it on amazon christianbook.com Barnes and Nobles has it, uh, and you can even order it if you prefer to order through Target. I don't know if everyone's still boycotting them or if they stopped being woke, but Walmart has it. And then it's on Audible as well. I got the pleasure of narrating it, and I need to warn you, I stood up during the entire audiobook process, and basically the book is preached. And because if you have me standing up and doctrinally gets my blood flowing, I just sort of went off and and read the book for seven hours, and it just came out like a sermon. All in all, my hope is that it blesses you and it equips you and serves you well and helps you understand the work of the Holy Spirit. You can use it for your own walk with the Lord, of course, and then small group leaders, Sunday school teachers, uh, fellow pastors. I think the book will be helpful. I certainly hope the Lord will use it uh, for his glory, however he chooses. Now, on today's episode, it's the fourth part of this series on the Holy Spirit. We've covered some of the abuses out there regarding his work, essential beliefs that all Christians should hold regarding him and his work. And then we did a practical episode last time on how we should respond and engage with the Holy Spirit based on our relationship with him. And now in this episode, we're staying practical. And I want to answer the question, does the Holy Spirit speak to us today? And if he does, how does he communicate? This is going to be a fuller, maybe a little longer episode than normal. And so if you're driving, this might be two parts. I I think I'll go around 40 minutes or so because I really want to take you down a few different trails. So you have a full picture and a full answer for this question. And I think it'll be a blessing to you. And then maybe if this is something you share with someone else, there may be not a lot of questions left over. And if there are, they're answered in the book. There's a lot of phrases and strategies and all kinds of guidance from a host of Christian and non-Christian teachers that are supposedly helpful for hearing from a deity. Now, I readily admit in my former years, I tried all of these in my ignorance. Not once have I ever heard from God audibly, though like all human beings, I thought thoughts and proceeded to wonder if those thoughts maybe were from God, and then tried to to figure out, you know, which ones are, which ones aren't. And this led to a plethora of confusing or even knee-jerk decisions with the claim, you know, I feel like God told me to do this. And eventually, and thankfully, God opened my eyes to how I could hear from him with 100% confidence. And I really never wallowed in confusion again. And I wanna walk you through first, 
four approaches that I used to use. And I want to explain why they prove to be completely unsuccessful and unbiblical. Now, for these, you may think, oh, man, that's me, or I did that, or I used to do that, or I even do that now. Uh, This isn't meant to shame you. I just hope this challenges you, and we can think through this biblically together. The first is sit in silence until God speaks audibly. This is a strategy I learned from mystics who believe that sitting in silence until God audibly speaks is a type of wrestling with God, like Jacob did in Genesis 32, verses 22 to 32, where we're sitting in silence and, and we're, we're just not going to let God go. We're not going to stop sitting there like a silent protester until he gives in. And now sitting in silence may be good for slowing down. We have busy lives. It can be good for meditating, meaning thinking deeply, the right kind of meditation, on Scripture or allowing our minds to process through thoughts and emotions and ideas so that we can respond wisely to any given situation. Sitting in silence until God speaks as a kind of protest, though, or battle of the wills, as though we can beat him in the waiting game, is not at all what we're taught in Scripture. When Jacob wrestles with God, the context was not about winning a battle of the wills to make God do what he wanted or make him speak. It was about Jacob's stubbornness God's testing him, and then Jacob's need to submit to the Lord. The second strategy or maybe idea about God speaking is what I would just call the still small voice. I'm not making that up. A lot of people say, you know, I'm listening for the still small voice. This wasn't always my go-to, but it was there when I needed it. And you know, what did it mean? Well, I don't completely know what it meant, but it worked wonders with my Baptist friends back then because it's not as wildly charismatic as, you know, God appeared in my room and he told me, but it was still supernatural enough to make everyone believe I was hearing God in a very special way. And it's kind of mystical and and you've really got to listen and tune your ear to his voice. This still small voice could be anything from an inner feeling to a subtle perception, to a thought that would pop into my head. Uh, The expression was really meant to convey the idea that God is just whispering direction into my ear and I've got to really focus to hear it. It's as though the volume is completely turned down on your phone and you're kind of saying, you know, God, is that you? I think that's you. Recently, Justin Peters was sharing thoughts on this topic and he lamented, evangelicals have created an entire theology of hearing God's still small voice from a verse that has been completely taken out of context and misinterpreted. The still small voice has one reference in scripture, though the interpretation that I employed was 100% wrong. The prophet Elijah was hated by Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. They wanted him dead. And after the famous story about Elijah calling down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice on the altar and beat the prophets of Baal in their supernatural competition in 1 Kings 18, 20 to 40. He then prays down rain upon the land. That's in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. And pretty soon Jezebel sent word to Elijah that she was going to kill him the next day. That's in 1 Kings 19. And Elijah flees for his life. While staying in a cave, the Lord calls to Elijah to come out of the cave and hear from him. 
1 Kings 19 verses 11 to 15 reveals the scene that unfolded. We find the phrase still small voice in the King James translation. And it says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering in of the cave, meaning the entrance. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. Now, in that passage, one thing to immediately take note of is that the still small voice which is translated gentle whisper in most modern translations, was an actual voice, not a feeling, not an impression as some will express today. And another thing to take note of is its genuine conversation here. This is taking place between Elijah and the Lord in real time. There's back and forth dialogue, as was the case with God speaking audibly with certain people in the scriptures. And there's no doubt that he speaks to Elijah there. Finally, it's important that we be faithful students of the text and see the lesson in what God is teaching Elijah. This isn't like a normative pattern where you go out in your garden and you go, Lord, is that you? Is that the still small voice? No, God had consistently moved in powerful ways through Elijah's ministry, and it had primarily been through sensational events. In this passage, the writer mentions the wind, the fire, and the earthquake, yet the Lord was in none of those. This time, his voice was heard through a gentle whisper. God was showing that he was with Elijah and still working in Elijah's life. Did you kind of catch some of the self-pity? You know, even I, only I am left, O Lord. They're killing all the prophets. God was helping Elijah remember, I'm here, I'm working, I'm with you. And he was still working in Elijah's life, despite not always using the signs and wonders he'd seen previously. Perhaps a healthy reminder for us when considering Elijah's story in our experience today is God works in the simple and the subtle, not always in the sensational. God regularly spoke to Elijah, but the still small voice was part of a bigger lesson God was teaching him. We need to remember that when we hear that phrase used. Third, what I would call reading the tea leaves. The concept of reading the tea leaves is an English idiom that comes from ancient practice. And it was an ancient fortune telling practice by using the patterns in tea leaves at the bottom of your teacup. I know it sounds kind of sketchy and superstitious. It is. Uh, I used to do this in a variety of ways. I'm not talking about looking at the bottom of my teacup. Just we do this kind of in different examples uh, from seeing any little event as like a sign from God or even sitting at a red light and saying, God, if you want me to do this, or if you're going to do this, the light's going to turn green right now. And then going, okay, not yet. Uh, okay, now. Okay, now. Uh, okay, it's going to stay green if that's your will. It's going to stay red. You know, just sort of trying to figure out what God was going to do or going to uh, ha what have happened in the future just by seeing some sign. Reading the tea leaves is really just superstition.
It's guesswork. The trouble is, it can lead to disastrous decisions. If you trust some superstitious act, what a nightmare that can lead you into. As believers, let me just say, 2 Peter 1.19 reminds us, we have a prophetic word made more sure. You don't need to chase these hit and miss methods to hear from God. We don't need to engage in this type of mysticism. God does not make it his practice to work through fortune cookies, hidden messages, or even hidden signs like the Enigma codes in World War II. Fourth, what I would call the Bible thumb game, where you take your two thumbs and you hold the Bible and you go, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Okay, go. And you flip it open to wherever it lands and you read that text. Now, maybe you've never done this one, but likely if you've been a Christian for a little while, or maybe you're a newer believer, I think a lot of people have done this or even do it. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to use the Bible, but it's a misguided effort. We look at that first passage and maybe it says something about judgment or God's wrath. We're like, no, I don't want that. Let's try another passage. And that one says something about blessing or you know, God favoring us. We're like, okay, yeah, that's the word from the Lord I'm taking. That's how that situation's gonna go. Oh, and we get hope and we get excitement and encouragement, our spirit's lifted up by that. Well, that's not actually the way it works. And my hope is that by admitting to you that I used to do that, you'll be encouraged in joining me and moving on and many others who know I'm a work in progress. I don't always get things right, but I don't need to just sort of flop the Bible open to wherever and think, well, that must be God's word for me today. You should read the Bible the right way, read it in context, understand what God is saying and to whom. But if you play the Bible thumb game, what if it is you know about Judas betraying Jesus? Uh, what if it's about you know someone dying or uh, someone starving or someone doing something else? You're not going to get the right word from the Lord, if you will, because you're just reading yourself into a situation that you may be supposed to read about, but not assume will happen to you. God is good about making his voice known. And he does that through the scriptures. And that's really where I wanna go now. After understanding those four things, understand this, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, speaks through scripture. Based on what the Bible shows us time and time again, when the spirit speaks, there's no guesswork. There's no ambiguous messaging that you need to decipher. It's not an enigma machine and in the spirit realm, kind of pumping out messages that have a billion different possibilities. And your job is to figure out which one is his voice so as to not run your life off course and into the gutter. The Bible not only shows us how, to, how, how the spirit spoke very clearly, but also tells us how he speaks to us now. Hebrews 1. Verses one to two declares, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. In the passage that I just read to you, the author of Hebrews is putting Christ above everything and everyone. The prophets did their job as proclaimers of his revelation. And from Abraham to John the Baptist, various means were used by God to speak to his people, including a burning bush to Moses in Exodus 3, uh, even a donkey to Balaam in Numbers 22. But in these last days, 
He has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is superior to any voice that has come. And the Spirit, capital S, reveals him through the scriptures. The word of Christ is, quote, heard through the proclamation of the word of Christ. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. God's word through his son is final and complete. The apostles are but additional spokesmen for Christ. For in their letters, they only expand his subject matter and they don't add any you know, new teachings or insights like you know they are coming up with something new. They're speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit through revelation and inspiration and delivering that to us. And it was Jesus in John 16 who really made that cycle, if you will, of revelation super clear when he told the disciples, he, when he comes, the, the spirit of truth, meaning the Holy Spirit, he's gonna disclose to you things. So you can think of it like this in this kind of pattern. The Holy Spirit is disclosing things to the disciples, the apostles, as they declare the scriptures and write the scriptures and declare the word of the Lord. But where is that coming from? Christ. And ultimately, Jesus says, the Father has given all things to me. I'm going to disclose that to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to disclose it to you. There's this Trinitarian pattern where God is clearly speaking, and the apostles are going to declare that to people. Look, there's nothing subjective about that. God objectively revealed himself, objectively inspired the writers of scripture, and they objectively delivered that through verbal plenary inspiration. When we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures, when we preach the scriptures in their plain and pure meaning, when we read the scriptures and pray the scriptures, the spirit is speaking because the scriptures are his voice revealed. The voice of the spirit and the revealed word of God are never to be divorced from one another. People do this all the time. They say, well, I feel like the Spirit's saying to me, or I feel like God is telling me, and it doesn't align with Scripture. It's completely divorced. Or they say, well, I'm, you know, we have the Bible. That's great. But I'm really yearning for God to speak to me. They divorce the idea that God has spoken through the Scriptures, and that's enough. And this is why 1 John 4, 1 tells the believer, test the spirits. There's going to be a lot of false spirits. There's going to be a lot of deception that is bred and spread. And it's an attempt by darkness to distract and deceive believers. And it's meant to keep unbelievers blinded, most certainly, by the, uh, the darkness of Satan's schemes. And the only way to combat that kind of spiritual warfare, to see blind unbelievers saved, and to see believers set on a course of light, meaning the lamp of God's true voice, you gotta go to the word. That's the only source to hear from God. And if there is one thing you take from this series on the Holy Spirit or the book, Knowing the Spirit, it's this. The Spirit's leading and guiding and directing of our lives will never be divorced from the word. The scriptures are where his voice is revealed. If you want to hear the spirit speak, read the Bible. And as Justin Peters and many others have wisely said, if you want to hear the spirit speak out loud, read the Bible out loud. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit speak audibly when the Bible is read or spoken audibly. Now, 
naturally, there's going to be practical questions here. And that's where I want to go next. I get these all the time as a pastor. They're important to address in a biblical way. Here's several that I've heard personally this past year. Okay, what about that thought that I had about, you know, calling that person to check on them and it happened to be just perfect timing? Or how do you explain the time that I felt an impression about going to the store and then there, you know, there was a, a bad accident and or not going to the store. Somebody said this, not going to the store. I just thought I shouldn't go today. And then there was a bad accident on the street I would have driven on. And Maybe another person would say, when I felt like God spoke to my heart about confronting someone in their sin and they repented, you know, I, I talked to them about it and it totally changed their life. How do you deny I didn't hear from the Lord in that situation? Um, another one, one time I knew in my heart that a friend of mine was dating the wrong person. So I told him and he ended up breaking up with her and turns out she's now divorced. You know, the, the spirit clearly spoke to me and I saved his future from pain. Look, I believe the answer to all of these is so simple. Are believers the temple of the Holy Spirit and the holy dwelling place of God? The answer is yes, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16 and according to 2 Corinthians 6.16 and according to 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 and a number of other passages. So are believers those who have God in them and they possess the mind of Christ and have been given spiritual eyes to see what the spiritually blind cannot. Yes, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16, all believers have the ability to discern spiritual things. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We're under the control of the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we are Romans 8.14 led by the Spirit because we're children of God. So here's the logic I would put in front of you. If we're filled with the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ, we're under the powerful influence of the Spirit, why wouldn't we think thoughts in line with what Scripture calls us to? Why wouldn't we be saturated with a God-honoring perspective when making decisions? Uh, why wouldn't we be biblically logical in that we think of our brothers and sisters in Christ? We're connected to the body of Christ, so of course you're going to think, well, he shouldn't be dating her, or you know, I'm really concerned about them and, and the sin that they're experiencing challenges with. That's just what believers do. If we're filled with the Spirit and walking by the Spirit, would we not be consistently thinking of other believers and how we can serve and how we can give and where we can help? Uh, could it be that we think one day, well, I'm just not going to go to the store. And that's just simply the way the Lord has led us that day. It's not like God told us. We just decided not to. And in God's divine providence, he ordered our steps. Why? Because we've been preoccupied with the things of the spirit, like Galatians 5, 16 talks about. And even if we believe that a thought came to mind because the Spirit has filled our mind, that's still not Him speaking audibly to us. That would just fit perfectly in the category of Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the Spirit. I mean, that's just a yielded step-by-step -step submission to the Holy Spirit. So there's 100% reliable ways to be led by the Spirit and never wonder or wander in confusion again. It's simply this, number one, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. It's Colossians 3.16. You can take the guesswork out of hearing the Spirit speak. You can fill up your life with Scripture. And it's basically to the degree that it's just coming out your pores. And you know what to do. You know God's will. You know how to respond to somebody in a given situation. You know when to repent of your own sin. And you're just walking in the wisdom of the word because you're so filled up with the word. You don't need to go, well, I, I just, the Lord's really telling me right now. You just say, I'm so filled up with the, the word of God and, and what 
what comes to mind is the passage I was reading or the passage I've learned or memorized. And, and this is what I feel such a strong conviction that we should do because of what God's word says. Just say that. I must encourage you to think of your language. I know people say, oh, it's just nitpicky, relax, Costi. No, you're, you can really confuse people when you begin to speak in a certain way about the voice of God as to make someone think, well, I'm not hearing from God like that. Wow, I must be kind of a second-class citizen. I love what Paul Washer said once, be so saturated with the scriptures that when they cut you, you bleed the Bible. You, be, you bleed, be blind. When the word of God dwells within us richly, we overflow with the divine truth that provides us with divine direction. Consider the words of Psalm 119 here, verses 15 and 16. The psalmist says, I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. If you give yourself to the scriptures, the spirit will speak to you through them. Very simple, very clear. Uh, number two, it's not just Colossians 3.16 that will lead you and guide you so well, but even asking the Holy Spirit to fill you and asking that he help you yield in obedience. Why do I say that? Well, because you can have Colossians 3.16 all day. You could be filled up with the knowledge. You could be hearing it and, and you could know it, but are you doing it? See, so many times people talk about hearing the voice of God and what God wants me to do, but they're not even obeying God in the basic things. So we should ask the Holy Spirit for help that we might live yielded, that we live Ephesians 5, 18. So while the word of Christ is dwelling within us richly, so is the habit of obedience to his word. And there are people, maybe you've interacted with them. I know I have these people in my life and I hope that my life is this as, as a pattern, but they just make good decisions. They consistently walk in the truth. Nobody's perfect, but it just seems like they're experiencing the blessings of God that money can't buy in this world can't steal. They seem to have the quote, blessed life, but in all the ways that really matter, not some material, physical result. Why? It's likely they have a strong prayer life. It's likely they're yielded, walking filled with the Spirit daily. It's likely they don't just hear the Word of Christ and read the Word of Christ, but they want to obey the Word of Christ. And in that, I think we can, uh, if you will, hear from God through His Word and then do what we hear from God in His Word more consistently. And we don't have to talk about all these random things we think or feel like God is telling us to do, but simply walk in His will as is already revealed in Scripture. The Spirit-filled believer is going to be hungry for God's Word and have no problem hearing His voice through His Word and obeying it. Third, pray for the wisdom of God in faith. James 1.5, one of my favorite passages. You will hear a lot of weird teaching out there that if you do this by faith or believe that by faith, God will do it. No, this isn't the prosperity gospel, but it is a beautiful guarantee of wisdom. That is the one thing you can ask for in faith. Well, maybe besides salvation in which you repent of your sin and ask the Lord to to forgive you and all of that is in faith of course but these are spiritual things well one of the great rewards of god's kindness and love towards us is james 1 5. it is a prayer that is about asking for wisdom listen to what james writes if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask god who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you 
But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Look at that built-in promise from God. That is a, a promise from the Lord that has a condition. If you ask for wisdom in faith, believing that he'll provide it, he will do it. How many times do we hear people talk about, oh, I just wish I could hear from God and oh, I feel like I'm hearing from God. I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart. I think, I feel, I thought, I heard, all of that. And we're not even asking him for wisdom. And James is talking about wisdom for trials. I think you have to connect that contextually to verses two through four. And even in that, there's such a great truth. We go through sickness or trial or pain, things that befall our lives. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And we go, man, I just wish God would show me what he's doing or tell me what he's doing or tell me what he wants me to do. I just wish God would speak to me in the midst of this trial. James says in verse five, ask him for wisdom. He'll pour it out. You don't need to wonder and try to read the tea leaves on what he's doing or, or saying or wants you to do in the midst of a trial. Go to his word and go to him in prayer. He will pour out wisdom upon you. Do you notice the common denominator for hearing from God, for hearing the Holy Spirit speak in all of these examples that I've given you? Scripture. Everything goes back to the word of God revealed through the apostles and the prophets so that we would be built up as living stones on top of the bedrock foundation of Christ. When you resolve to look to scripture in order to hear the spirit speak, you are always going to end up heading the right direction. Now, to kind of land the plane here, I want to bring clarity to misleading phrases. I've mentioned a few. I want to dive into these just briefly. And I don't presume to know the motives of people who use these, nor would I mock anyone for saying these, even as I'm imitating some of that. I'm basically imitating what I used to do, and I'm trying to give you illustrations and pictures of this. I think that ignorance, maybe a lack of solid teaching, uh, poor semantics, all of that could lead to the use of the following phrases. And we're trying to express how we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us sometimes. So one is, I feel like God told me. I feel like God told me. The second, the Lord spoke to me through an impression. We say that the Lord spoke to me through an impression. And third, God spoke to my heart and he said, and then we say what we feel like God spoke to our heart. You might find it nitpicky, but each one of these convey a more subjective fog than biblical clarity. And I understand that we all pick up practices or sayings throughout the Christian life, but it's important to express things accurately lest we misrepresent God or cause others to stumble into ignorance and even error. Remember, the goal is to know the Spirit's voice and be led into His will with pinpoint accuracy. And if you've been seeking His direction through Scripture and you come to a decision, there is absolutely no need to say you feel like God told you because you know that God told you. And he did so through his word. He didn't speak to your heart and say anything. He spoke through his word and your heart was stirred with passion to obey him. I would lobby for this. Consider replacing any confusing phrases with one simple phrase. Anytime you're stirred up with a strong conviction about doing something in line with scripture that you believe is the leading of the Holy Spirit confidently say this, I have a deep conviction about fill in the blank because God's word, and I believe this is the right decision. 
or say, I have a strong conviction because of what God makes so clear in his word that I believe we should do this. By using that approach, you're not gonna just find yourself feeling more confident about your decisions, but you'll also be helping others through your example of spirit-led living. But what about when you're uh, you know, not reading the Bible and you think a thought or dream a dream and you wonder, did that idea come from the Holy Spirit? Always, I mean always, go to the scripture and filter it through your vo- his voice there. Filter every thought through the word of God. If it turns out that your thought was something that lines up with scripture, just thank the Lord for the way his word is saturating your life so greatly that your thinking, even when you're not reading the Bible, has become aligned with his word. You know that's supposed to happen all the time. You fill your life up with his word, you go about your day, and maybe you don't have your Bible right there, you're not reading the scriptures, but you think wise thoughts and with clarity and with direction because he's spoken to you through the word. Sometimes uh, thoughts will come that are just so in line with scripture. You're thinking of passages you've memorized and wisdom for what to do. And all of that is God speaking to you through his word because he already has. We don't need to say the Lord is telling me Romans 8, 28. No, just say what Romans 8, 28 is. God has already told us. These are very helpful things. I am sure that in your life, And in my life, there's gonna be many instances where God does something remarkable. It's just divine providence. And we look back and say, wow, the Lord was leading every step I took. Praise God. When you walk in line with the word, that's gonna happen so much in your life that it's gonna boost your confidence to continue basing every decision you make on the word. So does the Holy Spirit speak? Yes, he does through the scriptures. Can you walk confidently in his voice and in his will? Yes, when you are filled up with the scriptures. In the next episode, I wanna talk about the unity of the spirit and how regardless of where we come from on this subject, unity is achievable and actually should be more normal when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. For more on this topic, for small group discussion, and for a deeper dive into even this particular episode's subject on the Spirit speaking and how to know God's voice and God's will, I hope that you'll pick up a copy of Knowing the Spirit. You can get that wherever books are sold. Thanks, as always, for listening, watching, sharing, and supporting. I hope this series and all of our resources here for the gospel are used by the Lord to help you grow stronger, closer, and clearer in your relationship with the Lord and, as far as this series goes, the Holy Spirit himself. I'll be back next Monday with another episode. Keep on living for the gospel.